Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband Josh wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want, we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. They need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry, and then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way, and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church, exactly. knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Continuing on uh, where Darren and I left off uh, last week, uh, you remember we were working through that transitional chapter as Paul uh, spends the first three chapters in, the, in, the, in, in almost all of his books laying out his theological framework, what, talking to us about what God has done and who we are in God. Um, and as a result of that, then the last half is always about, now what does this mean? How, does this, how do we work and live this out? So if you need Bibles, Jamie's on this side. Um, there's a few more up here. Anybody need one, feel free to um, stick up your hand. And we'll make sure we get one. Uh, we've got a few down at the back on, the, on that side. Thank you. Anybody else? If you, if you don't have a Bible uh, and, and would like to take one of these, please feel free to do that. It makes it easier to write things in it, cross stuff out that you don't like. And you're, uh, uh, doesn't anybody, does anybody else do that? I, it, I, it's, um, it's important that you, you feel comfortable to do that, though. Uh, and that is to say, when the Spirit continues to draw us and drive us, 
um, he, he, will, he will bring back to remembrance the things that, that you need to know. Uh, but it's important at the same time that you be looking at this text other than on, on Sunday. You know, part of our community groups, part of our, 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 our daily walk with God ought to involve soaking in, in, the, in the Word of God. So feel free to, to, to use it for that. Um, the passages uh, that we've looked at last week and this week uh, are really built around the framework of the culture of Ephesus, which is a highly, highly sexualized culture. Uh, and it is for that reason that Darren kind of already indicated this is kind of a PG-13 uh, kind of a, a framework. Um, and, and, but at the same time, I, I, I think we need to know, and I, I'm glad our J-High and, and high school kids are here, um, I, I don't want to back away uh, because if you, whether you hear it in church or not, you will hear it on TV, you will hear it in the entertainments, you will hear it uh, at school, and, and I want you to know that we're, we're, we don't want to back away from talking about things, so this is a safe place to ask questions and push in. If you want to talk to your folks about that, you're certainly welcome to do that. If you want to talk to Darren or myself or Billy or anybody else around, we're, we're, we're up for that. Um, so that it's a, a safe place to have those kinds of conversations. The key thing to remember is, is again, and, and I hate to keep bringing this up, but if we're not careful, we move into the legalism that Darren alluded to, and that is that we think all Paul is now doing is giving us a list of rules and regulations on how we should live. What he's saying is, you are holy, you are precious, you are beloved, you are God's chosen people, you are the light of the world. As a result of the things that already are in place, here's how you need to start to move in living. Believing, not enough. Living out what you believe, critical, if you're going to be useful for God in helping to save the world. And so it is, it is not for nothing that we look at this passage of Ephesians which is kind of the, between, between if, if you can imagine it this way, between Corinth and Ephesus, we have kind of the, the, the whatever party city comes to mind. Um, is that me thundering like that? All by myself? Trying to figure out how I can use that. Um, but anyway, uh, between, you know, so, so imagine, you know, whatever party city you want, whether it's, you know, Vegas or New York or San Francisco or Rio or whatever it is, Paris, whatever. Put that in your head. Magnify that in debauchery by 10 or 20. And you're getting close to the port cities, the port city of Corinth and the trade roads of the world, Ephesus. You're getting close to that. Uh, where temples are set aside with sexual perversions as a way of the worship of the gods and goddesses of the culture. Um, we're still a long way from that in our culture, thank God. But the word then that is spoken to the church at Ephesus is a word that needs to address us in the places that we live. We are not able to look down our noses in superiority at anyone in that kind of a framework. The other thing that I wanted to say is that it's not my job or intent to judge or condemn or to speak any of those kinds of words. But I will say to you, if in the hearing of what you're going to hear this morning there is this pull of the Spirit, pay attention to that. He wants to address us 
on the things that are disabling us in usefulness. That are, that are disabling us for the, the, the last song that we sang, one of the last songs we sang, this idea of pursuit, the, the pushing in, the coming after. If that is the expression of your heart, don't be surprised if you can't take all your baggage with you. Pressing into the presence of God means leaving beside all of the other false things that we have depended on and relied on to get us through the day. So don't be surprised if the Spirit says, I want you to come, but you can't bring that with. Don't be surprised. And just let Him do that, okay? Can we, can we kind of sit with a posture of yes as the Spirit addresses us this morning? So, chapter 5, verse 1, if you're following along, uh, I'm using the New International. It says, be imitators, therefore, of God, as dearly loved children. Live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself for up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you then, there must not be even a hint. Ooh. Ooh. That's a powerful comma right there. Must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, nor any kind of impurity or of insatiability. I'm retranslating that from greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse jesting, joking, which are out of place, but rather giving thanks. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, in fact, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Don't participate with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in goodness, righteousness, truth, Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. It is light that makes everything visible. And that is why... It is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Heavy passage, yes? It's a challenge, both an invitation and a challenge to the business-as-usual way. That sounds better. Is everybody still able to hear? Good, okay. Uh, all right, so verse 1, let's go back up, and we're just going to leave this on and, and walk this. Please notice what he's saying here. Coming out of chapter 4, where we ended last week, 
where He says be kind to one another, be compassionate to one another, forgive one another just in Christ. Uh, uh, God forgave you. Now, be imitators of God. Follow God's example, therefore, as what? Dearly loved children. This is not how you become children. This is because you are children. So this isn't an, an earning into love. This is because you are loved, because you are His beloved, because He has adopted you into His family, and He will never disown you. Because of that core truth, I want you to learn how to live the way God lives. Take on the family resemblance. Is it nurture or is it nature? He's saying, let the nature of God be formed in you by the imitating the nurture of God. Learn how to speak the language of the family. Learn how to conduct yourself in a way that reflects the health and life of the family. Why? Because you are invited to live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. So the whole foundation of what He's going to talk about builds out of this. You're dearly loved, so live a life framed by love. And and while I'm at this, please notice, this is self-sacrificing love. This is the second stage, love God, love self, love neighbor as self. He's, he's working at that bridge line. This is not just love for God and love for neighbor, but the reason we want to move from self-destructive behavior called sin is because we have begun to love ourselves the way God loves us and we're tired of blowing ourselves up at every opportunity. That's what he's after. This, isn't just, this is no longer about heaven, hell, Eternal damnation or destiny. It's, it, that's settled, right? We're in Christ. Now, live out of that core identity as the children of God. Stop blowing yourselves up. So, how do we do this? And here he, speak, he speaks very specifically to the uh, if, uh, situation in Ephesus. Among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality of any kind of impurity or of greed. And again, like I said, I translated the, retranslated the word greed there. Uh, it, the, literally, it means insatiability. Because here's what he's after. The word uh, immorality, uh, the Greek word in behind that is porneia. It's the word from which obviously comes our word pornography. And it refers to a wide range of aberrant sexual practices outside of marriage. So all the way from 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 uh, uh, pornography and masturbation and 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 uh, fornication and adultery, all of that whole range of of sexual experimentation, and Paul just says we don't we there should not even be a hint of that among the people of God. Now I recognize. Given the nature of our community here, given the nature of the journeys we are living in a fairly highly sexualized culture that we live in, that's a tall order for us. Imagine how the church at Ephesus heard this. On their way to church, 
that Sunday morning to hear Paul echo this word from the Lord to them. They had passed undoubtedly the temples to Dionysus, to, um, to, to, to Epaphrodites. They, 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 had, they, had, they, they were cleaning the streets from the Bacchanalia, which was the, the worship of the god Bacchus. Alcohol. Inevitably, the pornea of Ephesus, including drugs and drug abuse. So, he is speaking our culture's language. And he's saying, if we're going to be useful to help God save the world, to stand on the platform of our identity in holiness, if we're going to be useful, not even a hint of these things should characterize our community together. You, you get the implications of this. That means you can't sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend before you're married. That's what it means. That means you can't step out on your wife or your husband. That means that three, 3 o'clock in the morning appointment with somebody on the Internet? Uh-uh. Now, why? So you can become holy? No. Because you are. Because if you don't straighten up and fly right, you won't go to heaven? No. Because there's a name plate on a door in heaven already with your name on it. You want to be able to fit through the door. Do you, do you see what he's doing here? This is critical for us. Because this is not a... This is... You see? So, so he's no, nor any kind of impurity. And here he, he broadens out the scope even further of the ways that our minds are twisted and distorted and shaped by a culture framed by desire, framed by sensuality, framed by the relentless pursuit of higher and higher levels of pleasure, whether sexual or otherwise. That's what he's got there in mind. And then he goes one step further. Insatiability. Because here's the truth. Like we said last week, it's salt water to a thirsty man. A momentary release from the thirst replaced instantly by a more intense thirst. And from, from walking with people over the last 35 years of various kinds of, kinds of things, does that not describe the reality of life that is framed by consistent pursuit of higher and higher levels of pleasure. It's a law of diminishing returns. So, so with, without, with, with, and, and all I'm going to ask you to do is just, what is the Spirit speaking to you? What is He addressing you on? Because the truth is, um, as, as we look at some of those things, I, I, I've never stepped out on my wife. Pornography was an issue for me a, a while ago. Is there any platform on which I can stand and look down? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Because this isn't about behavior, just. Jesus said, look, if you look on a person and objectify them, you've already committed adultery. Whether it's a, uh, uh, and, and, and the truth is, female objectification of males 
Male objectification of females, very different kinds of structures, but both resulting in the same thing. That is the depersonalizing of God's precious children. Not just the object, but the one who's doing it. When you objectify somebody else, guess who else is depersonalized? You are. So Paul is on to something here if we're going to be useful in a culture that is headed to hell in a handbasket. And then he goes even further. Because notice what he says. These are, I love this word, improper. Couldn't there be a stronger word? No. Paul just thinks that when you get the family language, you will understand this is improper. This is not what we do. I don't know what it is. I've hated soap operas my whole life. I used to service Hammond organs, and so I would travel around to various people's homes, and inevitably in the afternoon, days of our lives, or as the stomach turns, or... You know, something, something would be on. And, and you know, it was, I was just thinking, are you kidding me? And, and you know, it's like, like, here I would watch and then five weeks later I'd be in another home and they'd have the same thing tuned in and it was like I hadn't missed a single thing in five weeks of craziness, right? But, if you put an English accent on the soap opera, I am all over that. So, so tonight at 9 o'clock, guess what I'm going to be doing? Yes, sir. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have lost. I'm going to have to give my, back my Nomi. Here's what happens in Downton Abbey. Does this language now begin to make sense in that frame? This is not what we of the house of Crowley. This is not how we behave. Now, here it's in, in Downton Abbey, it's ludicrous. You just scratch your head and you say, are you, are you, are you, are, are you kidding me? Right? You just, but here's Paul saying, folks, you are, you are sons and daughters of the king who has marked himself by self-sacrificial love. There are things that are just not proper for people who are loved like that. You see? He invites us to love God, to love ourselves, and then to begin to love others in ways that are not harmful to them or us. But then he goes on further and deals with what I call gateway behavior. He says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse jesting, joking, which are out of place. Again, this is not the language of our family. This is not how love expresses itself. We went through a season a few years ago of what I call the Chandlerization of conversations. Friends, fans will recognize what I mean. Where everything becomes a punchline 
everything is a tee-up for a joke. Every emotion becomes an object of ridicule. Every display of affection becomes a, a set-up for humiliation or embarrassment for the entertainment of the audience. And Paul is just saying, if you need to talk at all, thanksgiving should be the frame of your language. And, and, and we, can, we can go all... I don't know what this... I, I have an idea what this meant in Ephesus. I have an idea what it means in our culture. But I'm going to let the Holy Spirit address you on, on what this means for you. But I, will you take it seriously? Because here's how this works. When we let down the guard, when we let down, when we open the door, whether it's because we think we're more sophisticated or we think that this is part of the entertainment of the movies we're watching or we think that it's just part of the... part. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Sooner or later, that door that we've opened to crack begins to swing back on its hinges as if it weren't even there. And it becomes easier and easier and easier to let more and more and more suggestive language now begin to creep into our consciousness to begin to frame what happens when we're in that subconscious state between sleeping and rising. To begin to frame our dream life to work itself out in our behavior. This is gateway stuff. Does that make sense? Here's, here's how this has impacted me. Here's what the Spirit has done for me. And I'm almost embarrassed to talk to you about this, but I need to because if I don't, Jesus will hound me. Um, five years ago, uh, in preaching, in talking, in communicating with the congregation, I would never use four-letter words. And I found myself over the last three to five years beginning to slide into that inclusion for, this, for the... It's an urban crowd. It's a little bit gritty. I want to be cool. I want to be cool. And almost every time in the beginning, I heard Jesus say, What are you doing? You don't talk like that. You would never talk like that any other place. What are you doing? This is my... What are you doing? What are you doing? Usually his voice sounded an awful lot like Judy's. Who, who, for those of you who don't know, is my wife. So I did with him what I often do with her. Just ignored him. <laughs> Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. This is an urban crowd. I want to I make an impact. I want to be cool. And then this voice, you are never going to be cool as long as you live. <laughs> right? So here's what had happened. I had successfully walled up a chunk of my hearing to that gentle voice that said, smarten up. So this week I get an email from one of you. And it was the kindest, gentlest, most pointed invitation to smarten up that came straight from the heart of God through one of our brothers and sisters in this room. 
And I thought, and now I got to preach on. <laughs> you see what I mean? Slippery slope. For me, for me, for me. What does that say to you? Because here's what Paul says. At the end of the day, you can go to the bank on this. No immoral, no impure, no insatiable person who is in reality worshiping another God has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. This is one of the few times where Paul paralyzed the kingdoms of Christ and of God. The reason is, and we'll talk a little bit about this in a minute. I, I, I know my time's slipping on here, but the, uh, Paul is dealing with the beginning rise of what is later going to flourish into full-orbed um, Gnosticism, which is to say, all, as long as your spirit is right with God, what you do in your body doesn't matter. As long as your worship is in tune, behavior doesn't matter. It's, 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 it, it's essentially the, still very vibrant and alive today. It's the spirituality that says, I'm spiritual but not religious. As long as I'm in tune with the universe, how I treat my wife or my brother, my sister, my boyfriend, my girl, doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's none of your business. See, I'm improving. Nobody caught that? All right, fine. Footnotes will be available. Um, so, so, so what is he saying here? What is he saying here? He's saying, look, if you say you're a disciple of Jesus and Jesus is moving this way and you're moving this way, there's a reasonable grounds for believing you're a disciple of Jesus. But, but if Jesus is moving this way and you're moving this way, I don't care what you believe about Jesus. You're not a disciple. And sooner or later, if you persist in the behavior, instead of it just being behavior, it will become identity. Notice what he says here. It's an immoral person. It's an um, impure person. It's a greedy person. They have identified their personhood with immorality, with insatiability, with impurity. It's not just that they do occasional impure things and repent and receive the forgiveness offered. It is that they are beginning to persist in a lifestyle that is beginning to frame them as being that kind of person. And Paul is saying, look guys, look guys, look guys, every demon in hell believes everything Jesus you believe about Jesus. Discipleship is marked by behavior over time. What's the trajectory of your life? If you, if you persist in these kinds of behaviors, sooner or later you will find yourself lost at sea. A disciple who walks away is at some point no longer a disciple. And here's the deep tragedy. He will let you do that if that's what you want to do. He will not pursue you. He will always welcome back with open arms. This is why in our community groups, we want to say to you, we've got, we got to talk. 
if you're if you're if you're living with somebody you shouldn't be living with, we got to talk. This stuff matters. It's not just about you and your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's about you and your our community group and our ability as a church to be helpful to the city of Long Beach. If there's no difference for the way women are prayed prayed upon out there as in here, are you kidding me? We can't be useful to the kingdom if there's no difference. So we push into that. And it's hard. Because look at what he says. Don't let anybody deceive you with empty words. With empty promises. And, and the issue Paul was dealing with specifically was that grace means behavior doesn't matter. Let's sin so that grace abounds. Remember the language we used last week and from Paul in, in Romans. No, 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 no. Don't let anybody deceive you here. Grace moves us towards righteousness. Grace gives us a platform on which we can stand to actually make progress away from the things that are damaging and destroying our souls. That's what grace does. It doesn't pretend it doesn't matter. What grace says is that your sin doesn't separate you from God anymore. What it does do is separate you from you. Sin is self-destructive. And this is what he's working on. So he says, don't let anybody deceive you. God's wrath is coming. Don't be participators with them. With those who persist in regular behaviors. At the very least, don't go with them in their behaviors. Now, how this all works out, I don't, I don't know. I, there's no rules here. Did you notice that? There's no rules here. It, it, it is an invitation to consider not shaming someone, not shunning someone, just saying, you know, if that's how you want to live, you go, I just can't do that with you. And I can't sit with you letting you think that's okay. Because it's, it's not okay. You're okay. But what you're doing, not okay. And if you don't separate yourself from the behaviors that are damaging, destroying you, you will yourself share what happens to the fate of what happens to that sin when God comes to judge it. If you don't let Him tease it away, you will share the fate. This is what He's saying of that behavior. And then He says, once you were darkness. But now, you, listen to the language, you are light. Next, next uh, uh, slide, please. Once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Please notice, this is echoing Jesus, right? You're the light of the world. This is who you are. Once you were darkness, no more. The fruit of the light consists in what? Goodness. Righteousness, truth. Again, point from last week. You don't, you don't deal with sin by first dealing with sin. You deal with sin by first pursuing righteousness. It, the goal is not to get to zero. The goal is to become who you are in Christ. I love having this space. This is so cool. 
right? So he invites us into this. And, and, and then he says, find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. Please notice this is, again, not about pleasing other people because then we just trade one type of conforming for another type of conforming. Find out what pleases the Lord and do that. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. I spent a lot of time in junior high and high school ashamed because of my family background. Initially because my family wouldn't let us go to movies, so I had nothing to talk about with friends. And, 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 and I went to a public high school, a public uh, junior high, public elementary for, for that matter. And so I, I, was, I was ridiculed in a tiny, tiny little way, made fun of because I wasn't as, as up with the culture as my colleagues and friends and peers were. For those of you who are in high school and junior high school, get ready. And let me say to you, if I possibly can, guys, it's okay to be naive. It's okay not to know the joke. It's okay not to have seen the movie. It's okay not to have bought the download. It's okay to be light in darkness. It's okay. The darkness will shame you. Let it go. It doesn't have to define you. It's going to be tough. And I want to say to you on behalf of our church community, we are with you. I don't think there's any more brutal place in the world today than the high school of a junior high or a high school campus. I really don't. I pray for those of you who are our teachers in those kinds of environments. You are light. You are light in a difficult place. But Paul is saying, we don't even, we, we should not even be letting be, we shouldn't talk about, let alone be entertained by what they do in secret. Having sat with people at Starbucks for the last few years and listening to their stories of what they have done, and what more specifically is children have been done to them. There are times when everything in me wants to run screaming from the room with my hands over my ears at what people have perpetrated on their own children. Sometimes you just wonder, how is it that you're even still here and vertical and in your right mind? I have an awareness, a tiny awareness of what is done in secret. And it is horrifying. It's okay to be naive. Because sooner or later, the people in the dark are going to be looking to the people in the light for help. This is what Paul says. For that is light that makes everything visible. And that's why he says to us, wake up. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. So here's the deal. In partnership with the Holy Spirit, can we start to train out of self-destructive behaviors? Can we stop being our own suicide bomber? Blowing ourselves up at every opportunity and causing collateral damage in our relationships.
This is the invitation. What I'd like to do, um, we're just going to create some space in this. I know this is a heavy time. Um, and, and I don't want to let you off the hook. So we're just going to create a few minutes of stillness and silence. And Darren and I are going to kind of pastor response. I'm going to ask the worship team to, to, to come up and get ready. But for right now, let's just maintain some stillness. All right? What is the Spirit of God addressing you on in this moment? Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves before You. We say, we sang, we want to press into You. We want to be hard after You. We want to be Your disciples. Lord, as we look at this list, maybe we don't see ourselves in the mirror directly, but we see ourselves in, in, in something else that the Spirit has drawn to our attention. And so, oh Lord, I pray that You would help us attend to the voice of the Spirit in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org. Thank you.